0: So, reading from 1 Peter chapter 5, this is going to be the first in a series of messages built around the idea of our ancient foe. So each message will be on a particular passage of scripture. It will be expository in that sense, but the passages won't necessarily just follow one after the other in order. We'll be looking at more of a topical understanding of who Satan is and the impact that that has on our lives as the people of God, and above all, how we may stand against him. We talked about different banners that we might put up for this series, because the series is our ancient foe, but um, we sort of felt, you know, if you put a banner at the front that says, Knowing Satan, you know, people might get the wrong idea when they walk in. So the point of all of these sermons is not to know Satan better, We do need to be aware of him and of his schemes, but the point of all of these sermons is that in our awareness of who he is and how he works in this world and in our lives, we may be better equipped to take our stand against him and against his schemes. So beginning the first text in this series this morning, 1 Peter chapter 5, I will be reading verses 1 through 11. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober minded. Be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So the hymn that we sang just a couple of moments ago was based on the psalm that we were called to worship with this morning, Psalm 46. This was Luther's version. Of course, translated from German into English before it comes to us. The psalm said, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. The song, a mighty fortress is our God. God is our refuge and strength, a bulwark never failing, a very present help in trouble. And this is good news. This is actually The best news in a world that seems so broken sometimes, so hopelessly confused and confusing. The contemporary testimony of the Christian Reformed Church, Our World Belongs to God, describes our world in this way. Despair and rebellious pride fill the earth. Some, crushed by failure or broken by pain, give up on life and hope and God. Others, shaken, but still hoping for human triumph, work feverishly to realize their dreams. And that could very easily be a paraphrase of one of the texts that we considered together from the book of James just a few weeks ago, James 4.2, where James said, you desire and do not have, so you murder, you covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. What a good description of our world. Of course, James was describing his world. 2000 years ago, but they sound very similar, don't they? In a world where we often feel as though things are just going against us, as though the ground beneath our feet has given way and the mountains, all of those things that we once considered to be so permanent, so solid, and dependable have fallen into the heart of the sea. That was the sense of the author of Psalm 46. The thing is, while we struggle with the broken aspects of the world around us, and it is broken, we are fallen. And oftentimes rebellious people living in a world that has been subjected by the will of God to futility and is in bondage to corruption. That's the world we live in, but that's only part of the battle and perhaps the lesser part. Even the contemporary testimony goes on to say, As believers in God, we also struggle with the spirits of this age, resisting them in the power of the Spirit, testing them by God's sure word. Of course, someone could argue that the testimony is not speaking about spirits in some sort of supernatural sense, but merely about the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, the mindset the worldview of this age. And that would be included. It's true as far as it goes. But when we sang the second stanza of A Mighty Fortress Is Our God just a few moments ago, Martin Luther reminded us, For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great. And armed with cruel hate on earth is not his equal. We sing that probably several times a year, especially around Reformation Day, but I wonder if we think about the implications of it. Our ancient foe, that old serpent, the devil, Satan, as we saw him in Revelation 12 quite a while back now. Our ancient foe is still there, and he is still working against us, and he still has power to fight against the church, and the people of God. And further, in the third stanza, we are told that this world, this world in which we live is with devils filled, and it threatens to undo us. Now, it might be that some of us don't find that all that hard to believe. Perhaps we have experienced enough clashes with our ancient foe in various forms and various situations throughout our life that we have no trouble accepting at all that this world is with devils filled and that we, as the Apostle Paul wrote, do not wrestle merely against flesh and blood. We do. That's why I threw that merely in there. That's interpretive. We do wrestle sometimes with flesh and blood. If you think about the Apostle Paul who wrote this, when he was executed, when his head was removed from his shoulders, it was a real flesh and blood person with a real sword who cut his head off. But Paul understood that the battle was not with that man, but with the principalities and powers that were behind him, the rulers against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Some of us may not find that hard to believe. There may be others who do find it hard to believe, who don't believe it, or even if they do believe it, would just rather not think about it. Both those kinds of people need to be careful. Noted author C.S. Lewis wrote in his preface to the screw Tape Letters, There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They themselves are equally pleased by both errors and hail a materialist, which the way Lewis is speaking here is one who denies the existence of these spiritual forces of evil, or a magician, one who is obsessed With demons. And that could take a couple of different forms. It could be someone who is not a believer, who becomes obsessed with satanic and demonic things and starts to pursue that as an alternate religion. It could be people in the church, the people of God, who just become so obsessed with the idea that we are in this constant state of spiritual warfare that they end up ascribing to those demons far too much power. Well, the point of this sermon and of this series ultimately is to persuade the former, the materialist, who would rather not think about these things, that this spiritual warfare is a necessary part of the Christian life and something that we ignore to our peril. And to persuade the latter, the ones who have sort of an unhealthy obsession or interest in the devils, to always remember that in the Bible we are taught that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Our text this morning makes these very points. In 1 Peter 5, verse 8, the Apostle Apostle Peter wrote to the materialist, to the one who would rather not think about the reality of Satan and the devils and the attacks that they make. He wrote to that person, be sober-minded, be watchful, Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And just in case we are tempted to think that Peter was concerned exclusively or even mostly with the danger that this might pose to non-Christians, remember this whole epistle was written to those who are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. So, not unbelievers. Peter is not extending a warning to unbelievers that they have an enemy out there who is looking to devour them. He is writing to the people of God. And essentially he is saying, for still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. And that as much as we might like to think that the devil is merely some sort of comic Halloween figure in red pajamas with a plastic pitchfork, he is really like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour On the other hand, for those who were inclined to give the devil way too much credit, verse 10 goes on to say, And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So quickly then, just three points, three things this morning as we begin this series on our ancient foe. First, we need to be aware of and we need, as the people of God, to really believe in the devil's existence. Again, verse 8, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil... Is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We found this in our study of James as well. James chapter 4, there the apostle and brother of the Lord wrote, God opposes the proud. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, ignore the devil, and he will flee from you. Of course, I have grossly and intentionally misquoted James. Just see if you're awake. You weren't as awake as I was hoping you were. I was hoping there'd be, wait a minute. It doesn't say ignore the devil. It says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Peter said the same thing. We should resist the devil and it should go without saying, but just in case it doesn't, I will say it. We will not resist that which we ignore. If we believe or if we even act as though Satan was not a clear and present danger, then we'll find ourselves easy prey. As the musician Keith Green wrote years ago in a song with the subtitle, Satan's Boast, putting words in Satan's mouth, he sang, I used to have to sneak around, but now they just open their doors. You know, No one's watching for my tricks, since no one believes in me anymore. J.C. Riley, late bishop of Liverpool and probably a more reliable source of good theology, made a similar point, writing, The foe we have to do with keeps no holidays, never slumbers, and never sleeps. So long as we have breath in our bodies, we must keep on our armor and remember we are on an enemy's ground. Even on the brink of Jordan, said a dying saint, I find Satan nibbling at my heels. And that's why Peter said, be sober-minded, be watchful, be alert, be vigilant, pay attention. He wanted his readers to know that it's really a jungle out there and not all the animals are friendly. So first of all, this morning, we need to be convinced of the existence of our ancient foe. He is real and he is out there looking for someone to devour. But secondly, we need to fight. We need to resist. We need to put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Again, J.C. Briley, after acknowledging that we are always on enemy ground, in the very next sentence, went on to write, We must fight till we die. This is a battle that has been going on throughout human history and one that will continue throughout the rest of our lives until that day when Jesus finally and fully defeats death and hell and everything is just cast into the lake of fire, and then there will be no more spiritual warfare. But until then, we must fight until we die. Let us consider well these propositions, Riley said. Let us take care that our own personal religion is real, genuine, and true. The saddest symptom about many so-called Christians, he said, is the utter absence of anything like conflict and fight in their Christianity. And the bishop's advice speaks straight to the point. Let us also take care that our own personal religion is real, genuine, and true. That our faith is in Christ Jesus and in Christ Jesus alone And then let us stand. Let us resist the devil because this conflict, this warfare is real and that's our calling. Stand. So first we must be aware of our ancient foe, as Peter said. We must be sober-minded and watchful. And then we must resist him, standing firm in our faith. But here's the thing. Here's the final point of this sermon this morning and of every sermon, if the Lord is willing, that follows in this series. We must be aware that Satan is real and he is out there looking for someone to devour. We must resist him, standing firm in the faith. But finally, we must never, never be afraid. There is no sense at all in which Scripture ever calls us to be afraid of our adversary, the devil. Just pay attention. He's out there. But we don't have to be afraid of him. He may prowl around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But the true lion, as we saw in our study of the book of Revelation, the great lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus Christ the Lord is on our side. And he has prevailed As I said, Bible study is okay tonight, so if you want to study something, go back and reread Revelation chapter 12 and just let that story wash over you. They defeated him by the word of their testimony and by the blood of the Lamb, and he was cast down. We have no need to fear ever our ancient foe, even as he seeks to work against us. And so Peter concludes his exhort, his, this section of his work with an exhortation and a promise and a doxology. The promise is in verse 10. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. So right after he says, be sober, be vigilant, your adversary the devil is out there going around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He says, resist him, standing firm in your faith. And after you have suffered this, after you have been engaged in this battle for a while, God himself will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He's saying that we're going to need that because this battle may be costly. We are going to experience, we have experienced struggle and doubt, pain, and even loss as we have confronted our ancient foe. And as we sang earlier, did we in our own strength confide? If we attempt to do that battle in our own strength, our striving would be losing. We'll see somewhere down the road as we continue in this series, that Jude, the, also an apostle and brother of the Lord Jesus Christ, said even the archangel, when, when disputing with Satan over the body of Moses, dared not bring a railing accusation against him. The archangel did not stand up and say, Satan, I command, not at all. He said, the Lord rebuke you. Even the archangel knew that his power to overcome Satan was only in the fact that our God is greater. And our God will restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish us. Did we in our own strength confide, though, our striving would be losing, but thank God the song didn't end there. Did we in our own strength confide our striving would be losing, were not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing? You ask who that may be. Who is that right man? Christ Jesus. It is he. Lord Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. Lord Sabaoth, his name from age to age the same. And he must win the battle. Indeed, if God is for us, who can be against us? He has called us to his eternal glory in Christ, and Christus vincit, Christus regnat, Christus imperat. Christ has conquered, and Christ reigns. And on that foundation, Christ commands. Therefore, we, by the word of the Lord, according to the command of Christ through the apostle Peter, must stand firm in our faith, Resisting the devil, but he, Jesus Christ, our Savior, he must, not we, he must, and he will win the battle. Even so, to him be the dominion forever and ever. And I think that calls for an all God's people said, amen. Let's pray. Father, as we begin this series this morning, looking into the person and the strategies and tactics of the great enemy of our souls, above all, help us to remember that he is a defeated foe, that Christ Jesus, our Savior, has overcome him through the blood that he shed on the cross. And that we, by the word of that testimony, the word of the gospel, through the blood of Jesus, shed for the complete forgiveness of all of our sins, will soon crush Satan beneath our feet. Lord, we pray that you would remind us in all of this, that because you are with us always, we can say, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Help us to trust always in you, our mighty fortress and our God. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.